every individual will have to pay for sin. And if a person thinks that they are getting away with sin, or they don't have to address sin in their lives, know this, that the window of mercy is only shrinking. It's shrinking very slowly because God is not willing that, that uh, any should perish. He, he doesn't want to judge his own. He loves his creation. He loves people. But he's going to judge sin. listening to Cross Connection with Pastor Jay Fulton of Cross Connection North Jersey. Join us as Pastor Jay teaches through the book of Romans. We should not mistake God's patience with us as a sign that he's okay with our sin. He isn't. For example, unbelievers who defy God to strike them dead are simply ignorant of his great love for them and his desire that they would not perish but have eternal life. Also, those who profess to be Christians and yet live in habitual, constant sin are playing with fire. In today's study, Pastor Jay exhorts us all to be sober-minded when it comes to sin and our relationship to a holy, just, and righteous God. Now, here's Pastor Jay with part two of his message entitled, The Wages of Sin. Some people are enslaved to their work. Their allegiance is to their job, to do exactly what the job demands, forsaking, perhaps even sacrificing their family, sacrificing what God might want to do in their lives. There are others who are enslaved to things. They're enslaved to their possessions. And all they think about is taking care of their possessions. You know, they'll wash it every week, every day. They'll wax it every day. They'll put armor all on the tires. They'll think about how many more of these things that they can get how we can get more stuff, taking care of possessions. There are some people who are enslaved to their temper. They're just like a city that's set on fire, unable to abstain from these outbursts of wrath. And so Paul is using this principle of who we yield ourselves to. This demonstrates who our master is. And this works spiritually. Because to whom we yield reveals the true God of our lives. No person can say that they are a Christian and be confident in that statement if they're yielded unto sin. They have no confidence. That's what Paul would say, take no confidence in the flesh. There is no assurance that those words are just words. And I think of Jesus' comment in the Sermon on the Mount he talks about that day of judgment when there would be many that would stand before him and there were some that would, he would tell to depart and they would respond by saying, Lord, we've done many wonders in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. And he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, the interesting thing about that statement from Jesus is that these were religious people. These were people who were doing, for all intents and purposes, Christian things, religious things. And yet, 
They found out their place in Christ when it was too late. They had gone all the way. They had lived their life. But he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And so regardless of what a person might say with their speech, regardless of the fact that they might come to church or do religious things or even pray to God, even read the scriptures, but that if, if their life is given over to sin, yielded to sin, well, it reveals to us who the true God of our lives are. And if we continue in sin, it is proof that Christ is not our master. But it's proof that we are, that we sit on the throne. Because am I going to obey the desires of my flesh or am I going to obey the requirements of God? And there's two avenues. Every person, every man, every woman is yielded unto one of two things. Either yielded to sin, which leads to death, or yielded to obedience of Christ that leads unto righteousness. And all humanity is set under one of these conditions of servitude. Each and every person. In fact, Jesus, he spoke to the religious leaders. You know, he was contesting with them continually. He had said to them in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And this is a true statement. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But how did the religious leaders respond to Jesus, respond to that comment that he made? Well, they answered him, and they took solace in their, in their heritage. They said, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. From the words of Jesus himself. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And there is that subtle poison that seeks to force its way into the heart of every Christian, even the best of Christians. And that's the temptation to say, well, let us sin, not that grace may abound, but because it does abound. In other words, I'm covered. My debt has been paid. And therefore, I need not care or give attendance to how I live my life. And the person who says that misunderstands grace altogether. They misunderstand grace altogether. Because we can choose our master, but once we've chosen the master, we must obey it. And every person has that choice to have that decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. And what a slave shall do is wholly determined by the master to whom the slave belongs. The slave has no voice. The slave has no stake in the matter. The slave does wholly what the master wants him to do. And we want to be that to Christ. Because he's, he's, he's created us, he's designed us, he knows what's best for us to live and to thrive in his presence. And so, there is no intermediate position between serving one or the other. All throughout the scriptures, you see that. You see in the Old Testament, Joshua leading the people, choose whom you will serve. If it's Baal, serve him. If it's God, serve him. But make a choice, choose. Jesus will say, you, no person can serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. But you can't serve two different masters. There is no intermediate position between serving 
the one or the other. And many people would try to straddle the fence. They'll sit on that fence and having one foot in the world, one foot in sin, one foot uh, there in that place under the direction of sin and have one foot in the things of God. And the Lord tells us that I wish you were hot or cold, not lukewarm, you know, but make a decision because there is no sitting on the fence in the things of God. This is one of the things that he wants us to know. Understand this, to grasp this in our own lives, and that these things would be evident, to know that whom we yield ourselves servants to obey, his servants we are to whom we obey. In other words, it's one of the truths of scriptures that we should walk away with in our lives and carry with us, that how we submit ourselves and into what we submit ourselves and under what we submit ourselves that thing is that which controls us. And so examine ourselves. The scripture says, let a man examine himself and test and see whether or not he's in the faith. Line up the things of scripture and say, does my life comport and conform to these things? And if it doesn't, well, God is desiring, he's beseeching us that we would change, that we would not live that way, that we would not live in a backslidden state. But he goes on to say this, but God be thanked, in verse 17, that ye were the servants of sin. And understand this was past tense, that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. The form of doctrine. It's speaking of a mold. When we think of how metal is sometimes shaped, how they create these metal beams to construct buildings or other types of structures, this mold, they, they will heat the metal, they will burn it down to where it's liquid, and then they would pour it into these molds. And then as it solidifies, it creates the, the thing that uh, it should be created. And this is how God works in the life of the believer. And by the Holy Spirit's working, he begins to break us down, begins to soften us up, soften our hearts, make us less resistant to the word of God. And then God shapes us by the word, in other words, he's pouring us into that mold. We're being molded into the image of Christ. We're being sanctified in our lives, having our minds sanctified, having our spirits and our flesh cleansed. And he shapes us into his image that way. And, and this is what Paul is thanking the church at Rome. He says, but God be thanked, you were servants of sin, but no longer you are. And when you think about the conditions of Rome at that time, if we think things are bad now, we haven't seen anything. You can pick up any history book and look at what life was like during the Roman Empire. And you will see that it was much worse, much more horrible than what we deal with today. And yet, Paul is saying, you were slaves to sin. Because it was very normal to, for a person to engage in all types of gross behavior. In fact, it was expected. It was normal. And when Christianity came in, when Christ came in, and this message of the gospel came in, it was a collision of two worldviews now. One that spoke of love and grace and freedom and sanctification. And the other one that dealt with hardship. It dealt with slavery, treating people as property, not having a voice of their own. One kingdom fighting against the next, usurping authority. And you read that throughout human history. But he says... God be thanked that you were no longer servants of sin. And do we thank God for that? 
thinking of all the, the avenues that our lives could have taken, all the different trajectories, all the decision points that could have led us down one path versus another. And God in his love has us in this place to where we can sit and receive his word. And that we were under sin, but we are no longer under sin. And I thank God for that. God be thanked. And that he's molding us and he's shaping us by his word. But then he goes on to say in verse 18, but then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And that's a glorious thing. Being servants of righteousness. Being servants of the most high God. And I'll say it again. To serve the Lord, to be filled with righteousness, to be servants of Christ, is one of the best things. It is the best thing. There is no greater honor, there is no greater joy than to be able to serve and to worship the Lord. Because this is what we were designed for. This is what we were created for. And, and all of the empty pursuits that the world has to offer, that people pursue, only to find at the end of those things there's still emptiness. It's because we're not serving, we're not seeking him which created us. And so Paul goes on in verse 19. He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. And for as you, for as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now, yield your members, servants, to righteousness and unto holiness. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because the analogy, the picture is clear. And he's focusing now, in verse 19, he says, to not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it do that. He says, you were servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, leading to more iniquity. And so he had used that, that example of slavery, not to demean the people, but they would, everyone would know and have a picture and have an understanding of that analogy, being that slavery was such a common thing in Rome at that time. But in verse 20, for when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. And he's focusing here. You know, it's interesting when I think in the Gospels. You know, the command and the, and the request to live a holy life, you know, God doesn't tell us after the fact. He doesn't hide the fine print from us. This life of consecration, this life of purity, this life of holiness, this life of walking before him. He tells us up front that he doesn't want sin to be our master. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's going to cost us something to follow the Lord. And if we've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, we, we know that, right? We know that it takes something. It takes, there's a, there's a sacrifice. There's a cost to be paid. There's a price to be paid. Perhaps sometimes it's in our workplace where maybe we've lost opportunities at promotion or we've lost opportunities to even get a job. Perhaps it's cost us relationships. And friends have left us. Family members have turned their back on us. And perhaps it's, you find yourself being in a very lonely place. But he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. 
the denial of self. In other words, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who's living in me. And take up his cross and follow me. And this is the kind of commitment, this is the, the kind of requirement that the Lord has. Because a servant, a slave, is wholly given over to his master. And so, he's saying, and he's reminding us, that whatever we may have lost in the world, God is going to more than make up for in the things of Christ. He says, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? What, what did it lead to? When you think back on your life, before you came to know the Lord, the things that we thought were enjoyable, that were fun, looking back on those things, I wouldn't go back to that for anything. For the life of deep, deep dissatisfaction. A life of emptiness. A life of always pursuing, never obtaining. And there are many people that find themselves in that place. And he says, what fruit did you have in those things? Whereof you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. And we know that. We lived it. We've experienced it. And today we see it. The proximity of it in our, in, in our own circumstances. Because we have loved ones, we have neighbors, we have family members, we have co-workers. Who are living proof of this statement. Living proof that these things lead to death. But God has made us free. And the interesting thing is, is that sin always leads to death. Always. 100% of the time, sin leads to death. In fact, he's going to tell us in verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. Well, what are wages? What are wages? Well, wages are something that you've worked for. You've earned it. When you work for an employer... Perhaps you work a couple of weeks and then the promise is, is that at the end of two weeks, you get a paycheck, your wages. In fact, many people, they look forward to payday. You know, mark it on the calendar. Countdown. Look at the direct deposit statement. Payday comes. And the payday for sin comes. Be not deceived. Every individual will have to pay for sin. And if a person thinks that they are getting away with sin, or they don't have to address sin in their lives, know this, that the window of mercy is only shrinking. It's shrinking very slowly because God is not willing that, that any should perish. He, he doesn't want to judge his own. He loves his creation. He loves people. But he's going to judge sin. In the Old Testament, the scriptures speak of how God would use the nation of Israel to judge the Amalekites. But he would say that the iniquity, the cup of the iniquity of the Amalekites is not yet full. In other words, God was giving them space to repent. And, and when that cup is full, judgment came. And it's true for this world. There's going to come a point in time where God is going to ultimately judge sin in this world. But then in, the, in individual lives, in our individual circumstances, God is going to deal with that with each and every one of us. And when we look at the circumstances of our lives, sometimes God will put uh, roadblocks up and we can blow past the roadblocks. And he'll send people in our way to slow us down that we would do well to heed. And sometimes we might ignore. And God is saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Judgment is coming. The calamity of sin is real. And this world would prove to us and shows us, or seek to prove to us, that sin is fun. 
I mean, and they dress it up. They spend millions and billions of dollars in advertising dollars. But sin leads to a dead end. It always does. But he contrasts the benefits of knowing God. The gift of God is this. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Eternal life. And it's a gift. It's not wages. He gives what cannot be earned. And what could not be earned was his love. Because he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Not wages. We didn't have to work for that, but he gave it to us. And Paul is writing all of this because the Lord wants us to understand these truths. The Lord wants us to get a grasp of this in our own lives because he understands the the wrestling of the flesh that we have. He understands the battle of sin that we are in. He understands that there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And yet he doesn't want us to be confused with the profession of faith that doesn't have a lifestyle that matches, where God is not on on the throne. But he wants us to know that we are no longer in bondage to sin, that we have through the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to rule over sin. We have been set free. And this is the strength of the gospel of grace. Not only have we been forgiven from the judgment and the penalty of sin, but we've been delivered from the power of sin in our lives. And that is there for our taking. That's available for us. And he say, reckon the old man dead. The posture in a position of faith. And walk in the newness of life. Because the scriptures promise us that we have an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fades not away, and it's reserved for each and every one of you in heaven. Reserved. There's a, there's a place that has your name on it. And so the Lord is saying to us, as we go through this chapter here, to be reminded that there's incompatibility with the life of sin and a life that professes Christ. And so let's reckon the old man dead. And for each and every one of us, that looks a little bit different. For some of us, the Lord is saying, I want to deal with the anger. I want to deal with the temper. The Lord is saying, I want to deal with the judgmentalism. Perhaps for others, the Lord is saying, I want to deal with the substance abuse. You've been hiding it. You've been dabbling in it. Perhaps for others, the Lord is saying, I want to heal you and cure you and deal with some of the things you've been looking at online. He wants to deal with it once and for all. Reckon the old man dead. A position of faith. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, a man who had everything that one could ever want. He had all the wealth. He had all the wisdom. Everything that he wanted, he gave it to himself. But at the end of that, the lifestyle of giving himself everything that he would ever want, he sums it up with this. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And he says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It's simply summarized in this way. Fear God and keep his commandments. So he's reminding us, Paul here, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's receive that. Let's take claim to that. Let's reckon the old man dead, and let's see what God would do in our lives to a people to servants who are yielded unto their master. 
Thanks so much for joining us for today's edition of Cross Connection Radio with Pastor Jay Fulton. Pastor Jay is teaching verse by verse through the book of Romans. Radio is a wonderful way for us to connect people with the cross of Jesus Christ. And that truly is the vision for Cross Connection Radio, to connect you to Jesus. Today's message was produced from a worship service at Cross Connection North Jersey. We encourage you to come and join us for worship. The family at Cross Connection North Jersey meets every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for worship. And for those of you who enjoy Bible study, come out and join us every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. To learn more, we encourage you to log on to crossconnectionradio.com and then click on Church. There you'll find the service times, our location, and driving directions to the church. Again, that's all available at crossconnectionradio.com. You can also email us with any comments or questions you might have. The email address is info at crossconnectionradio.com. That's info at crossconnectionradio.com. Cross Connection Radio is the teaching ministry of Jay Fulton, Senior Pastor of Cross Connection North Jersey. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. Please join us next time for another study through the Book of Romans, right here on Cross Connection Radio.